This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to New Life's growing family from wherever you're watching, either the Petaluma area, greater Sonoma County, uh, other places around our country, and even our world. Uh, We are so delighted that you have tuned in and you are watching our service and hopefully you're learning and growing from it. Uh, We are a people who love to explore faith, whether we're just on the way in and not sure that uh, we want to follow Jesus, but are, are interested in checking him out or whether we've been a Jesus follower for years, we never lose that curiosity of wanting to explore faith in greater places than we have ever experienced before in our life. And this morning we have a great subject. It's the subject of circumstances, as Joel just uh, mentioned. And um, I just want to say up front, we're just barely going to be able to scratch the surface, but I hope to be able to give us some things to think about, plant some seed thoughts that you can reflect on throughout the week, and hopefully those thoughts will grow and help you uh, develop your faith. I just want to say a thank you to Joel. Uh, boy, you talk about a tough job. He, uh, For those of you who are new to New Life, Joel just moved here in January. And uh, roughly a month after he got here, uh, the church uh, could no longer meet in its building. And for months now, we've been meeting online. And um, boy, to no one's surprise, it has presented some very significant challenges, including the budget challenge that uh, Joel just laid out for us. And I just want to say a thank you to him for laying it out so clearly, for inviting us to pray and helping us to realize that we are the solution. Those of us who are a part of New Life, uh, from wherever we're watching, we are the solution. We are the people that God's going to use to to help our church uh, through this time financially and get us on uh, solid financial ground. Now, when I was a kid, we used to play a game we called King on the Hill, and uh, sometimes it was called King of the Mountain, and the idea was you found a a hill, and uh, everybody wanted to be on top of it, but man, as soon as you got on top, somebody was going to take a run at you and try to knock you off the hill and stand on it uh, themselves. And um, sometimes life is like that, and I think it's sort of easy for us to have that mentality right now that, uh, oh my goodness, it's if it's not one thing, it's another. 2020, uh, if you're like me and a whole bunch of other people, uh, you are so ready for 2021 and something different because this year hasn't turned out to be anything like we thought it might be on the way in. And it seems like uh, if it's not COVID, it's fires. If it's not fires, it's, it's evacuation shelters. Um, it, it's just one thing after another. Kids taking school from home. How are parents going to make that happen? And I mean, there is no shortage of challenges right now. And um, everything about us is stretched. That, that's just the way it is. Everything about us is tested. And the truth is, through all of this, we will either grow or will fade. And 
So we want to dig into that. And when I think about that, I think of the famous quote by Winston Churchill uh, in World War II, who said, never give in, never give in, never, 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 never in nothing great or small, large or petty, never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. Never yield to force, never yield to apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. Well, I'd like to say, never give in to circumstances. That was never God's plan for us. And right now, all of us could use a lot of resilience, a lot of ability to bounce back. And so I want us to take a lesson from a kindergarten classroom, a lesson on resilience. Enjoy this video. amazed at the ability God has given children to sometimes say the most insightful things and say it in such clear terms that that it's just easy to understand. How about that? Resilience means when you knock a toy down, it gets up very, very fast. Well, I, if you're like me, I could use some of that right now in the midst of all that is is in our in our world this this idea of resilience and you know each of us is actually practicing uh, different forms of resilience right now some of us are more successful at it than others and and so forth but unless you've just totally given in you, you're actually working on resilience and that leads us to a really important question and the question is this. So what is it that empowers us to persevere, grow, and bounce back? Well, it might not be what you think. 
is is it our uh, our endurance and just sort of stubborn perseverance? Is it our determination? Is is it our optimism? Is it our our faith? Well, it might surprise you. Those are all good, and and certainly we can use them, but they're not God's plan A for us. God has something for us that transcends all of that. So I'm going to lead with my punchline, and I'm going to go straight to a passage of Scripture. It was written by a longtime follower of Jesus, and he wrote it to his friends in Rome. And here's what he said to them. We know that in every circumstance, God is at work for the good of those who love him. In every circumstance, God is at work. Now, I want to say this in a way that sort of fits this teaching series. What Paul is really saying is in every circumstance, there's a current. We'll learn later. It's an updraft. But it, there's a current, a wind current of God's spirit. And Paul is really saying to his friends what, what I want us to get today. And that is finding and writing that current is the key to a vibrant and resilient life. You see, all these winds that blow against us, there's a wind current from God's Spirit, and it's the key to a vibrant and resilient life. Now, this whole teaching series is based uh, uh, out of a conversation between Jesus and a religious leader by the name of Nicodemus who came to him, uh, and Jesus started talking about the basics of, of what it takes for vibrant living in the kingdom of Jesus. And uh, in the process of that conversation, Jesus unwraps this revolutionary thing that no one had ever spoken of before. He said to Nicodemus, you got to be born again to get into the kingdom. And I'm not going to get into that because Joel taught about that very clearly last week. You can pull that up um, and, um, and you can learn what that means. But I do want to lift an excerpt from that conversation. And it's actually the excerpt that's the basis for this whole teaching series. And here's what Jesus said. Now, don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Born can mean uh, issued into a new life form, or born can mean carried along, and really both apply here. And we learned last week in a, in a short video that we saw that that the original word for spirit was ruach, and it, it it's translated wind or spirit, and it's the word the Bible writers used uh, to describe God's presence in our lives. And so the title of the series is Ride the Wind, and today... We're going to talk about circumstances. And as we noted earlier, there's no shortage of tough circumstances right now. And so we're going to look at four things that ride the wind. And we're going to learn one thing from each of them. There are multiple lessons we could learn from each. And perhaps the other teachers in this series will pick up on one or two of those additional concepts and break them out for us. But for today... Four different things that ride the wind, and one lesson we can learn uh, from each of those. And let's start with the eagle. Now, the amazing thing about eagles is 
They ride the wind, but they rarely flap their wings. Consequently, they seem to have limitless strength. You can watch an eagle for hours and they don't wear down and they don't tire out. And God picked up on that and used that as a word picture through an Old Testament. That's the first part of the Bible, uh, a prophet. And, and his name was Isaiah. And this is this is what Isaiah wrote. He said, even the youth will faint. Now, he wrote this to the nation of Israel when they were going through a very severe time, and it was about ready to get worse, much worse. And he said, listen, even young people, even the youth are going to faint, and they're going to be weary, and the young adults will utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary and they will walk, and they won't faint. Isaiah wants us to know that even in the toughest of circumstances, even when we are tested and stretched uh, on every front, he wants us to know this, that if I ride the current of God's Spirit, I can actually soar. Even in the midst of tough circumstances, so that's the eagle. Now let's take a look at the second thing, and that's the airplane. Every pilot knows that flying into the wind increases the lift under their wings. This is why every airplane takes off into the wind, because as they go into the wind, flying into the wind increases the lift under their wings. Well, there's a principle in there for you and me. And James, who was Jesus' brother, points out this principle. Dear brothers and sisters, he writes, when troubles of any kind come your way, in other words, when the wind is in your face, and I know we would much prefer the old Irish blessing that says, may the wind be always at your back, and we sure enjoy it when the wind is at our back. But James says, when the wind is in your face, he says, consider it an opportunity for great joy. So James, why would that be? He says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. So you can become mature and well-developed and not deficient in any way. Now, we've all heard the old statement, it's not what happens to us that's really important or determines the quality of our life. It's how we respond to what happens to us that determines the quality of our life. And as I sat with that statement the other day, uh, three things became very clear to me. And they are the three ways that, that we typically respond when the wind is in our face, when we're tested, when a trial comes our way. So let's take a look at those. And the first is, and it's my natural response, and I think it's most of our natural response, and that is to chafe, to think, well, I don't deserve this. Why is this coming my way? And to sort of push back and resist against it. And, you know, as I, as I thought about that question, why me or why, I realized that it's actually short for why not them? Why me, not them? I mean, from where I sit, <laughs> I'm a better person than they are. I work harder than they are. I do more nice things than they do. And so... When we do this, when we push back, when we chafe, 
we open ourselves to hurt and bitterness. And maybe even worse yet, we suspect God's disapproval. We somehow blame God. You know, God, why'd you do this to me? And, and when we do that, it puts our faith in jeopardy. We'll come back uh, to that thought in just a minute in a different context. But that, that's sort of our natural human reaction, first of all, is to chafe. But when we think about it, those of us who follow Jesus usually will move through that phase very quickly and will move to a phase that we'll call acceptance. We accept it. In other words, we sort of slump our shoulders and go, well, I guess I just got to accept and endure this. So we white knuckle it and, and we buck up and we do our best to just make it through because we realize or we think we realize Christians shouldn't, ex shouldn't complain. I shouldn't gripe. You know, or God will bring something worse into my life. But the worst thing about this is our faith doesn't grow. Now, James just told us when, when, when you're tested, man, this is an opportunity for joy because it's an opportunity to grow. So how can we grow? Well, we only grow when we move to a third response, and that is to actually embrace the trial. Not like a sadist, but when we embrace the trial and realize that even though God might not have brought this trial into our life, and oh, by the way, most of the tough things that are in our life are not there because God wants to curse us. They're not there because God doesn't care. They're not there as a discipline from God. They are there because this is earth and not heaven. Bad things happen to good people all the time. Tragedies happen. This is a broken world. Heaven is coming where that doesn't happen. But for now, this is earth. And God says, hey, I made a promise to you. And when we embrace this circumstance, no matter how tough, and we say, God, I believe you can work in this. And I believe you are at work in this. And I believe you are at work for my good. When we embrace it like that, first of all, we get the opportunity to catch the updraft of God's spirit, the current of God's spirit. Secondly, we get a chance to feel God's partnership, to say to God, I know you're in this with me. I know you're not going to leave me in this trial and meet me on the other side of it. I know you're in this with me, and I know that there's a current in here I can catch, and you begin to feel that current under your wings, and it begins to lift your spirit, and you feel God's partnership with you, and now your faith can grow. So what can we learn from this? We can learn if I ride the current of God's spirit in tough circumstances, I'll grow and be stronger and more balanced. How wonderful is that? Now let's take a look at the third thing, and that's a sailboat. Even though a sailboat doesn't sort of float on the wind, it is actually carried along and driven by the wind. And there's a principle here that might surprise you. You know, if a sailboat is anchored, the wind cannot carry the boat to its destination because it's stuck there. The only thing the wind can do is tip the boat over. And if the wind gets strong enough, it will tip the boat over. 
Now, Paul addresses this when he wrote to his friends in a town called Thessalonica. He said to them, listen, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus. Do not stifle or resist or push back against the Holy Spirit or anchor your boat when the Holy Spirit wants to blow you to a new destination. Listen, with all the love in my heart and understanding, this is a message for those of us who are change averse. And we think it's a little safer to go through life with our anchor dragging the bottom. That way we won't get blown off course too much and we won't change too much and we won't have to adjust too much. It just seems safer if we move slow and cautiously. Friends, listen, I love you, but there's a time when you need to pull anchor up and get in the wind, the, the, the current of God's spirit and let God's spirit carry you to a fresh destination, a new destination to do something new and amazing in your life and adventuresome in your life. Because friend, if you leave your anchor on the bottom, all the wind of God's spirit can do is tip your boat over. There's, there's this wonderful lesson that I want us to get. And that is, in order to ride the current of God's Spirit, I have to lift my anchor and let the wind of God's Spirit blow. And the, the fourth thing we're going to look at is a glider. For those of you not into aviation, a glider is an airplane with no motor. So it's got a big, you have a big cable on the back of an airplane, uh, and the airplane will tow the glider up several thousand feet and then uh, release the the glider pilot will release the cable. And now the glider pilot is just literally riding the wind. And if the secret to this whole glider thing is the pilot has to know where the updraft is because there are updrafts. And if the pilot knows where they are, the pilot can glide for a while, go over in the updraft, catch an updraft, circle in it, and exit, you know, thousands of feet higher than he was a few minutes ago, and then glide for a while. We'll come back to that in a little bit. But I want to go back to the scripture that we started with. It is the punchline of the whole of this whole teaching, where Paul writes to his friends in Rome, and he says, listen, we know that in every circumstance, God is at work. We know that in every circumstance, God is creating an updraft for us. And it will be for the good of those who love him. I'm going to read this in a different translation. We are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. So what can we learn from this? The secret to growing our faith is regularly putting ourselves in the places where the updraft of the Spirit is the strongest. Now listen, I want to pray for us, and then I want to give us a, a one parting lesson, and then we're going to go to a song. So would you join me in prayer? God, I pray for my friends. I pray that in spite of the circumstances that have come against us with COVID and fires and distance learning and layoffs and working from home and stuck in the house with the same people and can't really go on a decent vacation. 
And God, if, if we thought about it, the list is really long of the things that, that we might have a tendency to complain about. But I pray for my friends. I pray for me that you would help us in every one of these circumstances to look for the updraft of your spirit. I pray that you would help us lift our anchors so you could blow us into fresh waters and new destinations. I pray that, that we could mount up with wings like eagles and that we could soar. And I pray that when the wind is against us, we'll realize that the time is the most opportune for us to actually grow and get stronger. So God, would you help us to sense your partnership in these times? I pray for our church as we deal with the circumstance of a shortfall in our income. I pray that you would that you would be creating, and I know you are, an updraft in our church. And I pray that each of us could get on board with that. And I pray that we would very soon have that resolved so that our church could be in a much more financially healthy position. I pray that whatever comes our way this week, that our first response would not be discouragement and it wouldn't be to complain, but it would be to look for the updraft of your spirit. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now listen, the coming teachings in this series are actually about places and activities that you and I can put ourselves in regularly where the updraft of God's Spirit is the strongest. So I want to encourage you and invite you uh, to tune in again next week where you can learn, oh, that's something I can do. That's a context I can put myself in where the updraft of God's Spirit is actually the strongest. And as we close this teaching, I want to remind us of something. I want to remind us that there's never been a moment in our lives when God wasn't with us. There's never ever been a circumstance that's come into our life. No matter how tragic, there's never been a circumstance that God wasn't in that circumstance with us. There's never, ever, ever been a moment when God left our side. I want to flip this over to Mark and Heather as they remind us of that truth in a song called Not For A Moment. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.